0: When we think about creation uh, and creation theology, I think the thoughts uh, that the thought of most of us uh, goes immediately to the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And we think that the theological account of creation should uh, and usually comments on the six days of creation in the book of Genesis. Now, we may be or we should be then surprised uh, to find that Thomas Aquinas. In his treatise on creation in the Summa Theologiae he does not actually refer that much to, this, to the account of six days in the book of Genesis actually he has a separate uh, treatise on uh, the six days uh, of uh, on the work of six days in the book of Genesis uh, so he, in a, in a, in a, in one way, he separates the treatise on six on the work of six days from the treatise on creation. Why would he do that? Well, I believe that Thomas Aquinas, carefully reading the account in uh, the book of Genesis, he simply realizes that the account of the work of six days in the book of Genesis speaks predominantly about what actually happened with the world after it was already created. What we read about in the account of Genesis are the changes that happened actually in matter, in the material world after it was created. Therefore, Thomas Aquinas distinguishes in his treatise on the work of six days, he distinguishes three parts of the work of six days. And only the first part is what he calls opus creationis, the work of creation. What happens afterwards is the opus distinctionis, that is the work of distinction or separation of things created in animate animate matter. And then opus ornatus, which is the origin of things that are alive, plants uh, and animals and eventually human beings. So once again, Thomas Aquinas realizes that in the account of six days, probably the only one sentence actually that speaks about creation is the first sentence where we read that God created the heavens and the earth. Then the term creation comes back with the origin of man because his soul is being created ex nihilo, like the rest of the universe of the material universe. But once again, uh, Thomas realizes that creation is actually uh, covered by this one sentence in the account of six days. And that is why I believe in his account of creation, in his treatise on creation, he simply tries to explain and understand better what this very first sentence in the book of Genesis actually means. And he does it in reference to his metaphysical and philosophical system. And uh, his account, we might classify it, I believe, as. Uh, nowadays we would call it a, a philosophical theology. So let's then therefore follow Aquinas and leave aside the account of six days in Genesis and concentrate only on this very first sentence which says once again that God created the heavens and the earth. Now trying to understand what this actually means, this very act of God, Thomas uh, realizes that, uh, as it sometimes happens in in our life, that it is easier to say what creation is not, rather than to say what creation is. Well, what what we trace and observe uh, in uh, our everyday life uh, is change. Uh, We see how things change, and so we see movement and change. And this is the way in which new things and novelty comes into existence in this world. Therefore, uh, you know the intuition we may have is, uh, uh, we might have an intuition that creation would be a special type of change or a special type of movement. And here Aquinas says that would be a wrong assertion. He claims that what is created is not made by movement or by change because. That would, because movement or change requires something pre-existent that can be moved or can move or can change. Therefore, he would say that God by creation produces things without any sort of movement. We may go forward and say that the creative act of God considered formally is beyond all categories that we use to describe the reality around us. It is not any sort of change the creation uh, act of God. It is not any sort of movement. This is not a change of quantity, of quality, of relationship to anything else. This is not creation. So I would call this the negative aspect of the definition. Now, as such, therefore, we may say that creation has a super or supra categorical character, or we may say transcendental character. Now we have a difficult task then how can we define a transcendental act of god trying to give a positive aspect of the definition i believe thomas uh, has a more complex uh, mm, proposition for us first uh, he uh, formulates what i believe as the, the the first uh, side of the of the active um, or i would say he has the active and passive aspect of this positive, um, uh, or the the active and passive side. I'm sorry, the active and passive side of the positive aspect of definition. So the active side of this positive definition would be that creation is an uh, is, the, is an active divine agency on the part of God, and on the side of. Creatures, it would be defined as passive reception of divine agency on the parts of everything that is being created by God. Now, what do we mean by active agency on the part of God? Here, Thomas would say or says that primarily this active divine agency on the part of God is bringing the universe bringing the material universe into existence out of nothing. That is ex nihilo, without any pre-existing mother. The other side of the, this active divine agency on the part of God is sustaining and preserving or upholding all contingent entities in their existence in the fact that they are but also in their essence, in the fact or in what they are. These for Aquinas are two most important aspects of each uh, creature. Each creature is, exists, is, um, exists, uh, and each creature is something. So it has its essence. Now, what is the definition of the passive uh, side of, uh, of the creative act of God? this would be the dependence of all created entities on god once again in the fact that they are which is their existence but also in the fact or in what they are that is in their essence so i would like to suggest that this would be a complex positive account Uh, of what creation is for Thomas Aquinas. Now let's go uh, through those various aspects and let's try to uh, see how he defines them and explains them. So let's begin with the primordial creative act of God. We uh, may be surprised here, or those of us who know the two greatest philosophers of antiquity, that is Aristotle and Plato, and those of you who know Thomas Aquinas, you know that he in a way prefers the Aristotle and his philosophy. And here we are uh, facing this uh, definition of the primordial creative act, which I have uh, said it, uh, or defied uh, a minute before as bringing into existence ex nihilo, uh, things, creatures. We actually find Aquinas who defies this very act of God in a platonic way. Which may sound strange to us. He says this is the emanation of all being from the universal cause, which is God. And this emanation of all being we designate by the name creation. Why is this, or might be considered, even dangerous for Aquinas? Well, you may be familiar with Neoplatonism, where this Emanationist scheme is understood in this way where being flows from God, and therefore in a way, one way or the other, all created things are divine, at least to some extent. So you may ask the question, why would Aquinas use the language of emanation, which in minds of many would be associated with with this sort of theology? Well, Aquinas does it in my opinion, because he, this is his way to express and emphasize that creation is ex nihilo, that God creates out of nothing. Let me explain it to you. Aquinas says, if we want to be uh, faithful to this very statement that God creates from nothing, we need to realize that this nothingness, non-being, is not something that God acts upon because we tend to, it's hard for us to imagine non-existence. Probably we cannot even do that, Uh, but we usually think about space that is empty. No, it's not a space, it's pure nothingness. And Aquinas says, if this is pure nothingness, it cannot receive any action on the side of God. Non-being is not the recipient of divine action. Therefore, Aquinas says, If this is the case and only God exists before he begins to create, we have to agree with the statement and we have to actually assume or believe in the fact that everything truly flows from God, emanates from God. That is why he uses this platonic definition here. Now, does Aquinas want to say that creation therefore being the emanation from God, does he want to say that creatures are at least partly divine? I don't think so. He wants to avoid this extreme. He also wants to avoid the other extreme where, and there are thinkers uh, that he knows who, and philosophers who would say that God creates from pre-existing matter and therefore matter mother is co-eternal with yet somehow separated from God. He also wants to avoid this extreme. He wants to stay in the middle and he wants to say that what happens is that creation is emanation from God, and yet creatures are not divine. Their existence comes from God, and yet it is a created existence. It differs from the existence of God. Now, one could say, well, maybe this is self-contradicting this claim he should actually choose one of those sides and there is no a third way and he is just you know designing something that you cannot defend philosophically in order to defend this claim aquinas emphasizes that our predication here about god is analogical and for him this would be the analogy of being that uh, we apply here Uh, which will be um, an example of the analogy of participation. Uh, That would mean that the being that we predicate about creatures and God, who is the creator, is in a way the same being, because the being of created things flows from God, and yet it is not equal or the same as the being of God, because the being of God is transcendental totally different uh, from the being of uh, creatures. Therefore, the language that we use here, Aquinas would say, is neither univocal uh, nor equivocal. It is an analogical language. So the, mm, part, the, the being that we predicate about things created in God, once again, is, uh, is, analog- is, is, being, is, is, is predicated analogically. So this would be his way to defend the claim that his uh, position here is not self-contradicting. Now, what is being created, therefore, uh, in this first creative act of God? What is being created, I believe, in, in Aquinas' understanding, is the most primitive matter. And this, according to, ancient philosophy would be four elements, earth, water, earth, and fire. We have many more elements nowadays, but back then this is how they understood the most basic elements. And Aquinas reads uh, Genesis, actually here I refer to his account of six days, where he uh, meditates on uh, the book of Genesis. And he says that what is being named uh, in this first day of creation, when after when God cre- created the universe, what is being named is just earth and water. And he says, Moses, who for him wrote the book of Genesis, doesn't mention air and fire because though these were uneducated people who he write it for. And it would be hard for them to actually understand that air and fire are also elements. They thought they must be material. But for him, these are also elements. One important aspect here, uh, those of you who may know uh, Aquinas' uh, philosophy m- m- more, Uh, you are probably aware of the fact that he understands that uh, what uh, underlies the very fabric of the universe and all matter that is empirically verifiable and tangible is primary matter, which is pure potentiality, a metaphysical principle of potentiality. Why do I mention it here? Because it is tempting here, at least for some, to think that this potentiality of there being something before anything uh, actually um, was out there, that this potentiality was before God started creating. And what God did was he actualized actualized this potentiality so that things came into existence. So this nothingness would be this principle of potentiality. And actually Aquinas rejects this idea and he claims that primary matter is also created the very possibility of being anything else but God also is created in a way, and therefore uh, what God created was not primary matter or he did not use primary matter as the principle of potentiality, but he created matter, which is already informed by those four types of forms, earth, water, earth, fire. Creation for Aquinas, therefore, and I want to emphasize it, is instantaneous, and that is why he distinguishes it from the account of the six days in Genesis, where the, the way matter was changed and transformed and gave origin to plants and animals, this is already happening in time, whereas creation is not in time. This is an instant... Even the term instantaneous is not proper, but we don't find any better term because um, instantiation uh, or instantaneous action or uh, um, uh, occurrence is already referring to time. It is an aspect of time, an instance uh, within uh, uh, time, whereas we want to say that it is beyond time. It comes from the eternity of God where there is no time. For Aquinas, therefore, creation would be an origin of space and time as well. Referring to time, he will uh, he will reflect and actually claim that it is possible to think uh, of a universe which uh, is timeless, doesn't have a beginning or end in time, not eternal by but but everlasting, and still created but then he would conclude that based on the scripture and on the revelation we actually have to acknowledge that uh, that the universe has an origin in time and therefore time and space begin with the beginning of the universe. Now let's go to 1b which is the divine conservatio of things. Thomas says that the being of every creature depends on God so that not for a moment could it subsist but would fall into nothingness were it not kept in being by the operation of divine power therefore God continuously uh, preserves preserves things in existence what is important here from my point of view uh, is terminology Because uh, Thomas uses the term conservatio rerum in esse, conservation of things in their existence, he also uses a term conservatio rerum in bono, conservation things in goodness, in what is good for them, Uh, he uses this term as well. Nowadays, we also use another uh, term, it is more uh, modern term, conservatio anihi, conservation from falling back into nothingness. This is what God does constantly with all created things. But what is important for me is that Thomas, uh, yes, he uses the term, he he, he uses this phrase where he says that the preservation of things by God is a continuation of the action whereby he gives them existence uh, um, uh, when they come come into existence. But I want to emphasize that Aquinas never uses a term that is very popular nowadays. That is the term creatio continua, continual creation. This term is never used by Aquinas. Francisco Suarez, one of commentators of Aquinas and a very famous one, he is the first one who actually claims that Aquinas uses this term, continual creation, uh, and it is not true because Aquinas never uses this term. Why is it important for us? I think it is important because it helps us to understand once again, that the creative act of God happened just once. He brought everything into existence uh, out of nothing, And then he continually keeps things in existence. This would be this continuation of this primordial creative act, but all the changes that happen within the created universe, they do not belong to creation, but uh, to divine conservatio of things and to divine governance of the universe. Therefore, My claim here would be that the term oftentimes used nowadays with reference to evolutionary theory, which I'm not going to discuss because this is not the subject of this uh, lecture, but it is important to mention here that this term is very popular nowadays, and it is being claimed by many scholars that God continuously creates uh, and he gives power to create or some aspect of this power to create two creatures that are engaged in evolutionary transformations. I have just uh, uh, finished writing a paper and it was accepted for publication in theology and science, a paper where I actually go against this claim showing that it diminishes the the creative act of God and goes against the traditional classical uh, theology of for example, Thomas Aquinas, who clearly states that no creature can create, no creature can have uh, can have a creative power. So that is why uh, I would be skeptical about the cre- the term creatio continua. I think you may use it, but you have to be very careful. The Passive aspect of create of, of creation is the dependence of creatures on God. And Aquinas has many passages when he says that creation actually is nothing but the relation of creature to the creator. And this relation is the relation of dependency of the created, uh, um, uh, the the dependency um, of all creatures on, on God. Now, what is this dependency about, or how do we uh, classify, or how do we elaborate on on it? This is a dependence on God, primarily for Aquinas, he emphasizes it many times, in existence. God brings in his creative uh, act, everything, uh, matter, material universe into existence. And therefore, the dependence of God, on God, of created things would be a dependence uh, in existence. But also, I want to emphasize, even though Aquinas does not uh, do it um, in in a clear way, but you can find it in his writings, a little bit scattered, this claim that it is also a dependence on God in essence. Therefore, not only in the fact that creatures exist, but also in what they are. Creation is the act whereby a thing is made according to its whole substance. That w- that means uh, both in terms of the fact, once again, the fact that it exists, and in the fact in the in the aspect of uh, it being what it is. So, analyzing Aquinas's work, we can see how all four Aristotelian types of causation and per accidents, that is, quasi causal character of chance, all of them important to explain what things are and how they behave, how they change and why they don't change sometimes. These all aspects are uh, have their ultimate origin and origin and source in God. So when it comes to material aspect, things are made of something. Thomas would say, matter can have no other cause than an agent which acts by creating, that is God even going deeper to this primordial uh, primary matter, this principle of pure potentiality, Aquinas would say this is also something that is created. This metaphysical uh, aspect of reality is also created. Prime matter in some way is, even though it is not actualized, but it's in some way is this potentiality for there being something, Therefore, God must be the cause of prime matter, in respect to which nothing pre-exists. When it comes to formal causation, uh, so formal cause or formal aspects of things decides about what things are. Uh, Form organizes matter, but not only in terms of its shape, but in the way matter functions in all aspects of what material things then are sometimes pretty complex. Here Aquinas says that form is something divine and he speaks that about forms of all created things. So this is a reference to his, you know, platonic uh, reference to uh, to emanationism. He says it is being divine, not uh, trying to say that things are actually divine, but uh, because every form is a certain participation. So again, using this analogy of, analogy of participation, every form is a certain participation in the likeness of the divine being, which is pure act. And that is why also in this formal aspect of what things are, uh, all creatures depend on God. God, and this is another reference to uh, to Plato here, uh, in the divine mind says Aquinas, there are exemplar uh, forms of all creatures. These are divine ideas. And also in this way, the mm, uh, all created things depend on God. So it's not only the form that I have here on earth that depends on God, but also the idea of divine mind of God of in divine mind uh, that he has of me uh, from eternity, this is also the way in which my uh, essence uh, depends on God. When it comes to efficient causes, something, you know, contributes uh, to, um, in an efficient way for things to change and for things to come into uh, into being in the universe where matter changes constantly. So Aquinas says that um, this sort of efficient uh, causes that make things to originate. But also uh, when something is already there and has some efficient actions that, uh, that it can per- perform in all, uh, all those aspects of efficient uh, causes that we observe around us and our own efficient uh, mm, powers, they are rooted once again in God. And also in this aspect, all creatures depend on God. Here, Aquinas develops those uh, crucial distinctions into primary and secondary and a um, uh, principle and instrumental causation, emphasizing that yes, all efficient causes depend on God. And actually God, because they depend on God, God can, can and does work in the created universe through those secondary and instrumental causes. This is efficient causation. Also uh, the fourth type of causation, the final causation, Aquinas after Aristotle observes uh, goal-directedness in the universe. For him, all things have intrinsic principle of uh, goal-directedness, which is, uh, it is easiest to see it in uh, conscious and living entities, uh, you know, uh, trees produce uh, flowers and fruits. There's a certain cycle that they go through. Uh, so this is a teleological aspect of their end, anti- of their uh, of what they are. But also inanimate creatures, uh, for Aquinas and for Aristotle, uh, they would also have their internal teleology. So Aquinas would say that first of all, the end of all things, uh, which is some extrinsic good, is outside. Uh, in reference to the universe. Uh, Therefore, everything uh, is called good from divine goodness because uh, this teleological aspect uh, for Aquinas refers to the goodness of things as well. So it has a normative aspect in a way. Uh, It is good for me to be a human being and to eat and do all sorts of things. It is good to a stone to be a stone and to be hard, uh, for, for example. So each thing has a proper goodness to it. And he says that all good uh, or everything is called good from the divine goodness as from the first exemplary effective and final principle of all goodness. And very important passage from his uh, treatise on creation where he says that all things desire God as their end. Look, and they may do it, uh, and it refers to intellectual uh, beings, like that is human beings, but also to sensible uh, beings like animals, uh, then all other uh, entities, creatures, uh, which are, uh, which um, that is plants and inanimate creatures. So they all in his understanding, desire God as their end uh, through the fact that they are what they are, uh, and it does not introduce panpsychism for Aquinas, once again, because his language is uh, analogical here, right? So they they desire God because their existence flows from God and they depend on their essence on God, but this is not panpsychism. Now, Aristotle spends lots of time on chance and fortune uh, and Aquinas follows him uh, And for our lecture here, what is important is to realize, we should realize that for Aquinas, God, who is the governor of the universe, intends some of his effects to be established by way of necessity and others contingently. That means that chance and fortune for Aquinas, like for Aristotle to begin with, are ontologically real. We do not say that things happen by chance because we don't know the true cause for them we say that something happened by chance because there is no actual cause for that occurrence even though it uh, chance events they always happen in a world where there is reg- regularity there can be chance because things happen for a purpose because there are formal causes efficient causes and regularity in nature Uh, And uh, for Aquinas, referring it to God, chance and fortune are real and they are real because it is God who wants that some things will happen or happen by way of necessity and some others contingently. Yet and at the same time, from God's perspective, uh, as to the order of divine providence St. Thomas would say, nothing in the world happens by chance. Once again, he does not say here that chance is not real. It's just that it is just epistemological. This is our lack of knowledge. No, for him, it is ontologically real, but from the divine perspective, uh, it is it falls under God's providence. Uh, so for God, it is not chance in a way uh, within his eternal uh, causing of things. Uh, Of what they are. Okay, so we may say therefore that God as creator of primary matter and all forms, source of efficient causality and natural teleology, as well as the transcendent cause of the occurrences attributed to chance and fortune, is the first and ultimate cause of the essence of all uh, of each contingent entity. So by this, we have learned that it is not only in the fact that things are, but also in the fact in what they, what things are, all creatures depend on God. Therefore, we may say that to be created, according to Aquinas, is to be dependent on God in esse, in the fact that uh, entities exist, exist and in essentia, in uh, the in what things are. And this rule applies both to entities that came into being ex nihilo at the beginning of creation and existed or still exist in time, if there are such things, as well as to those that come into being throughout the history of the universe from already existing matter due to uh, causality of other creatures. They all depend on God in the fact that they are and in what they are, even though many of them, uh, probably the majority of things that surround us, they don't come uh, into existence. When we see actually them coming into existence, they don't come into existence uh, ex nihilo. And uh, this, um, once again tells us that Thomas Aquinas understands creation as, the, as a, re, a relationship towards God. So uh, therefore uh, he would say uh, that creation in the creature is only a certain relation to the creator as to the principle of its being. In God, creation would be, once again, this primordial act of bringing everything into existence ex nihilo, and then sustaining things in existence and also in what they are, this is on the side of God. On the side of creatures, that would be, creation would be defined by Aquinas as this special type of relationship of dependence on God. And thus, creation is a kind of relation, once again, he emphasizes, so that nothing prevents it, uh, its being in the creature as its subject. This uh, creation in the creature is the relationship of dependence on God. For Aquinas, this dependence is on our side. And for him, God does not depend in any possible way on created universe. Because God in his Trinity, uh, he exchanges love, so he doesn't need to create something to have something to love. Uh, he, uh, creation does not change anything in God uh, because uh, he's, he is unchangeable for uh, Thomas Aquinas. Therefore, this relationship uh, is the relation is a relationship of dependence on the side of creatures, and not on the side of God. Where it puts, uh, we may ask, where does this put Aquinas in uh, reference to other contemporary notions of creation and the relationship between God and the universe? We have classical Thomism to your left, uh, th- Theism. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the view that I have just described and in a way that it is defined by uh, Thomas Aquinas. We have God who is in a way separate from the universe because God's existence and being is not uh, uh, univocal or it's not the same uh, uh, when compared with the existence of the created universe. And yet we have this relationship of dependency. Uh, Creation emanates uh, from God, yet is not divine and remains in this constant dependency on God. We have Deism which claims uh, that there is a universe and there is God and he is also uh, radically transcendent, but uh, there is no uh, ongoing and constant relationship of dependence on God anymore. God created the universe and simply withdraw himself from the universe, and the universe operates operates by the powers that God posited in the universe, in in, in this created universe. The third um, possibility uh, that is uh, being discussed and accepted by at least some thinkers is panthe- pantheism. Uh, that is a claim uh, that. Uh, the universe is divine, uh, and uh, we think about Pan- pantheism usually in terms of Spinoza, who would say "God sive natura," which means God or nature, uh, where the term or the name God is being kept. Uh, but the true uh, the truth is that. This is the minority among uh, pantheists to claim that God is nature. uh, The more popular version of pantheism simply says that the universe is divine. They want to uh, leave aside and leave behind the term God uh, because of the connotations that we have with the term God as being transcendent, unchangeable, and so forth. Uh, So the claim would be that universe as, as, as a whole is divine And this is uh, the major claim of pantheism. Uh, There's also uh, at least uh, a number of thinkers who uh, present and support pantheism, which is a claim that at the beginning, there was God who then created universe in a way that he posited himself in created universe and he ceased to exist as god separated from the universe uh, from uh, from the universe uh, so this would be uh, pan pantheism uh, and he also does not change anything in he he stopped uh, he stopped being what he was before creating and now there is just the universe which is divine but it's not god anymore you know, thought as transcendent in any possible way. And then we have most popular uh, view nowadays uh, or I would say, yes, very popular at least in the circles of, uh, uh, of the dialogue between uh, natural sciences and uh, theology, uh, the dialogue that I uh, work in, uh, and part of it, uh, that is panentheism, which claims everything is in God, and yet, God is more than the universe. Uh, so you see uh, on uh, the slide that uh, this is this uh, this uh, um, this scheme where we have universe within the substance of God, and therefore there is a constant interchange or exchange between God and the universe. Therefore, God is being changed by the fact that He created and by this. Or uh, he's being changed based on this relationship that he has with creation, with created universe. The language of making space inside of the being of God, uh, in order to accept universe, this language is being used. This theology questions traditional attributes of God: his uh, radical uh, ultimate transcendence, his unchangeability, uh, his uh, impassibility and uh, others uh, classical uh, attributes of God. It also, um, uh, yeah, and, and this exchange between God and creatures, uh, there is there's a mutual relationship here, something that would be rather uh, not acceptable for the classical uh, tease. We also have thinkers who uh, propose pandeism which would be a claim uh, or a theory or a definition of creation and relationship between god and the the universe where we have universe that is within the substance of god again uh, but god does not uh, change anything in the universe he does not act in this universe so uh it is within the being of God, but it is uh, it w- operates by once again the powers that God posited in this uh, created universe. So you can see how it differs from uh, the uh, the teaching of uh, Thomas Aquinas and classical theology, where the universe is created by God. Uh, and it depends on God constantly, brought into existence ex nihilo, which is not the case in uh, at least not in all other uh, schemes that you have on this slide. Uh, the claim that, uh, the, uh, that uh, the that that world comes, the universe comes into existence ex nihilo, you would, for example, find uh, panentheists who would claim that uh, universe in a way, uh, might be or should be thought as being eternal uh, with God, together with God. Uh, so that would be another difference. Uh, so yeah, uh, these are um, principal differences that we have uh, between those uh, theologies of uh, creation. And I think that would be uh, that would be it uh, for uh, for tonight on my part. I hope I helped you uh, uh, or this lecture helped you to understand better how Aquinas understands creation, uh, which is once again uh, the act uh, by which God brings into existence ex nihilo in an instantaneous uh, act uh, everything that is the entire universe, which afterwards enters very complex processes of change where matter having its potentialities gives gives origin to new things. Uh, But creation is once again, this primordial act of bringing stuff ex nihilo into existence and keeping this stuff uh, uh, in existence. uh, And uh, also in reference to what things are, and on the side of the creatures one last time, it is the dependence on God in the fact that they are and in what they are. And this is uh, the passive aspect of uh, the definition of creation that Aquinas uh, presents us with. Mm, yes, there is a question from Juliana. Okay. Uh,
1: it's an observation. and thank you very much for the very deep and yet very clear presentation. Um, what- I'm going to start with, a, with an observation and then make a question. The observation is the following. There is a language, a language problem between philosophy and physics. Um, when philosophy talks about created matter, a physicist would think that it does not include energy. But some people would even say something like angels and souls are energy. And uh, you know, sort of comparison. And energy in physics is the capacity to make something execute work. Like for example, movement or changing volume or even changing temperature. Okay. And now in modern physics is known to be related to mass. Okay. So it seems to me that matter in philosophy includes both energy and matter in the physical sense. This may be useful to clarify when talking to a mixed um, audience because I think that people's minds immediately gets into this confusion. And the question is the following. Are angels made of prime matter angels and souls and um, it seems to me they are not Mm -hmm. but they are created so is there anything about their substance that is shared by material creation be it matter or energy in the physical sense and when you say that god made the whole of creation in one single instant does that include the souls and angels, uh, not souls, of course, but angels and the spiritual uh, persons? Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. These are very, uh, per, first of all, uh, a very uh, good clarification. Obviously, uh, for uh, Aquinas, this would be mother and energy, obviously. Uh, thank you very much. And that's very helpful. And I should uh, next time I will remember to, to mention it. Uh, And with regards to uh, spiritual substances, uh, so Aquinas believes that God created in this first instantaneous act of creation all angels, um, but but, uh, souls of human beings. Uh, they are not created, they are being created in time. And this is this exceptional uh, um, situation or or aspect of creation where there are entities uh, that is human beings, where when they have an origin in time, God creates, uh, this is what Aquinas believes, creates ex nihilo, uh, each time a human being is being conceived he creates ex nihilo a human soul. So human beings are, are very weird metaphysically speaking uh, creatures uh, within his uh, systems, uh, system of philosophy and theology. Now, angels are pure spirits, therefore they don't have any matter. Uh, there cannot be a primary matter which is not actualized. This is uh, only on the level of speculative analysis that we speak about primary matter as a metaphysical principle, which is real yet uh, when we look at the world surrounding us, it is always actualized by some one or another substantial form. Uh, therefore, there uh, cannot be uh, a situation where we would have primary matter which is somehow taken or, or, or actualized by an angel in a way that it does not become a material thing, a physical thing. This is something uh, which is unthinkable for Aquinas angels, they do not have any mother, neither uh, what you would say secondary matter, uh, which is uh, physical stuff, uh, nor uh, primary matter. Okay, Gavin says uh, has a question. Can you ask your question, Gavin?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Gavin here from Ireland. Um, thank you for the paper. Um, it seems to me that um, I really enjoyed your paper, but there was a little something missing. And on my understanding of Aquinas metaphysics metaphysics of it, what's important here is his notion of essay or the act of existence. In several places throughout his career and throughout his works, Aquinas gives a definition of creation as the production of the total substance in essay. And when he gives those two histories of creation in the De Potentia and in the Sumatologiae, he holds that philosophers haven't come to an appropriate notion of creation until they get to the notion of a cause of essay. And um, th- th- this is something which is, is found throughout Aquinas' writings. So with that, with that in place then, it seems that the fundamental relation which is involved in creation, and which explains Aquinas' Platonism in this regard, is that creatures um, are brought about, they're brought into existence through uh, their being granted essay, and so they enjoy this participation relationship which he outlines in the divine names, um, book five. Um, and so, because you, you have that distinction between, you know, the essay community that the individual creature participates in and then the essay divinum that the essay uh, commune participates in. I kind of felt that that wasn't emphasized as much in your paper. Uh, and I feel that uh, maybe it, it needs to be addressed because what it means is that any creature, any substance that exists, exists precisely because it comes to participate in this act of creation. The conservation of that substance is not a distinct act on God's behalf. Creation and conservation are distinct acts in God's behalf. It's it's literally the the granting of essay to anything which enjoys essay. Um, creation and conservation are distinct um, experiences of ourselves, and not one and the same act. So I'm wondering how that's um, sort of fits in with um, you know the the position your your interpretation of St Thomas as you've presented it this evening.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you very much, and. Uh I agree with you 100%. Uh for Aquinas uh, the act of existence is the most perfect uh mm, the act of all acts uh, right? Uh well the act, God is the act of all acts but this is the most perfect uh, metaphysical uh um aspect or category that we that 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 he uh, in a way discovers there's as you probably know a whole um, conversation on what it actually means and how it uh, differentiates from uh, from uh, from esse and what is the relationship? Maybe uh, maybe you you are right that I did not emphasize it uh, strong enough. But on the other hand, I think that what is oftentimes being uh, forgotten is that the act of esse of created things is the act of esse of uh, of something, there is no uh, created essence without there being created essence. And this is uh, what I'm trying to emphasize whenever I teach it, uh, because I think it's actually sometimes uh, forgotten. And I wouldn't like to say, I would still uh, keep with Aquinas saying that once again, existence is the most perfect uh, mm, uh category of perfect, uh, how do I say, uh, the highest metaphysical perfection of of things that we know is their uh, their, essay, but once one last time, this is the essay of something. And that's why uh, I would say uh, or or emphasize that uh, this is how I understand it, that when he says that creation is producing an entity with regards to its entire substance to uh, to all aspects, in reference to all aspects of of what it is. So that would be, again, both essence and existence, or maybe I should start existence of something that has this or that particular essence. And when Aquinas emphasizes that God did not produce formless matter or prime matter, but he produced uh, or create cre- in, in creation, he brought into existence things once again, these are already uh, things that have both essence and existence. That would be my answer to your uh, point. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, Reka Mohai, I hope I uh, pronounce it right, uh, asks a question. How is it possible that creation is a relationship for created beings uh, and things, but not for God? God, Aquinas believes that God is inner, uh, that God is in all things uh, uh, So in a way, it will establish a sort a sort of relationship in a way, we might say, but it is not a relationship that changes God. and this is important for him. So this picture that you can see right now, the scheme where, This is a a, a depiction of panentheism, where creation is within the substance of God in a way. This is not true for Aquinas, where here this changes God, right? Because God, this is Hegelian in a way, he posits himself in creation. Uh, um, Okay, this is important for us. Uh, But uh, the world here cannot affect the being and knowledge of God. So therefore, even if the uh, relations in the heart of the Trinity are real and the world relationship to God is real, God's relationship to the worlds, for Aquinas would be a relationship in idea only. This is the language he uses. So he says, when I think about something that, let's say, I've learned that there is a wall ahead of me that changes me, the fact that I've learned about it, but it does not change uh, the wall that is in front of me. But it is out there and I am in a relationship uh, to this wall because it is out there in a a certain uh, distance from me. So in a way we might say that for Aquinas I have learned through divine revelation that I am in the relationship uh, of dependency on God That changes me, obviously, uh, uh, the fact that I know it and the fact that I am in this relationship towards God. And this is a real relationship on my side. uh, uh, And uh, in a way, it is also a relationship uh, on God's side, but it is not a relationship of the same sort where it will change God in any possible way. And obviously, many contemporary uh, scholars, uh, they claim that this teaching is an absurdity. And as Craig and Tracy say, that it jeopardizes Christianity's most fundamental religious affirmation, which is that God cares about creation. And uh, Niels uh, Henrik Gregorsen says that all versions of panentheism, they share the claim that there exists a real two-way interaction, uh, like I said uh, before. What would be the answer uh, that we uh, give uh, to those claims that the world depends on God and God depends on the world? Uh, so, uh, Michael Dodds, uh, he says that uh, that the idea uh, that uh, like what, what Aquinas teaches emphasizes uh, that. Uh, or what he teaches enf- uh, is an affirmation of God's transcendence and in, in intimate involvement in creation. It does not put the fact that the relationship in God is not of the same uh, type as the relationship in us, does not put God far away from creation. It simply tells us that he is transcendent uh, in, his re- in his relationship towards creatures. And therefore, he can be present in creation, in the created world, in a way that goes beyond any type of presence that we may think of. And look, this is the last uh, passage that I want to bring here what uh, Michael Dodd says Real relations of mutual dependence arise between creatures that are never more than beside one another. Even if Jesus says that uh, men and women become one, this is a metaphor. They do become one in a way, but they still keep their own identities still. Uh, They have real relationship, uh, right? And probably the deepest uh, one that people may have in this world, marriage and friendship probably. And Dodds says that those sorts of relations, they cannot capture the the closeness of divine presence that arises from the action of God, who is never simply beside, but most deeply within the creature because the existence as Gavin emphasized, flows, and I did before too, I believe so, I did. It flows from God. So to predicate such a relation of God the real relationship uh, where beings stands beside one another would be to reduce God to the level of one creature existing beside another. In effect, the notion of real relation is simply too remote to express the intimacy of God's presence, says Michael Dodds. So that would be my answer to the question. Maybe I was not right, uh, not not clear enough when I said there's no relationship on the side of God. There is a relationship, but it is not a real relationship such as the relationship that uh, we have or any sort of relationship among creatures. Gemella, okay. I'm curious, wouldn't panentheism work well uh, to describe the Holy Spirit working within our world? especially in if St. Thomas describes the continual work of God with existence uh, and essence. Uh, mm, I would not, I, I don't think so, uh, because the difficulty here is uh, that the, the, the claim, the, 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 the most important claim of panentheism is once again that created universe is in God. This very n, panentheos is this very n, is the most uh, difficult uh, aspect of this uh, theological position in uh, in my book, forthcoming book, uh, which will be published into uh, next year in May by Notre Dame Press. I actually uh, go through the history of panentheism a little bit, but also I critically examine uh, different meanings of this particle uh, n, uh, in uh, God. And I think the difficulty is here uh, of falling into pantheism. And the truth is that when you go, let's say, to uh, German idealists like Hegel, uh, uh, Schelling or Fichte, uh, you may see that uh, there's a a division. Some uh, historians, they classify them, them as pantheists and some as panentheists. Why? Well, because panentheism is so confusing. Uh, I think that it eventually collapses into pantheism, because when you say that uh, beings, created beings are within the within God, well, what does that mean? Does it mean that they are substantially in God and then therefore, therefore they are a part of God? If this is what we mean, uh, we Aquinas would never agree with that. And the work of the Holy Spirit will be again, for him, Uh, as the work of entire Trinity keeping things in existence, but the work of the Holy Spirit is obviously to guide creation uh, to its final consummation, right? Uh, This would be in his, uh, um, uh, like the division of of labor, if I may use this term in the Trinity, this would be uh, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, work and action. And this is, it's one with divine action and I don't think the panentheistic scheme helps here, uh, because Thomas Aquinas in the 8th um, article of the of Prima uh, Parse of his Summa Theologiae, he actually uh, openly and, and in depth uh, discusses the immanent presence of God in creatures. And he does it without using, uh, without falling into panentheism, although at least once he, use, he uses uh, a metaphor, which actually is pretty close to panentheistic uh, metaphor, uh, but, uh, but I think he clearly distinguishes or manages clearly to distinguish the substance of God and the substance of creature. And the difficulty in panentheism is to merge them. Aponkt. Uh, My question is, how is the existence of evil explained from Creatio ex nihilo? Would it be right to consider it under chance and fortune? No, that would be a a wrong uh, proposition for Aquinas, because like I said, chance and fortune, they are ontologically real. Therefore, they depend on God, and therefore God wants there to be chance and fortune. So if... Evil uh, came from chance and fortune. That would introduce evil in God and His uh, will towards the universe. Uh, so for Aquinas, um, he follows uh, the teaching of actually fathers of the Church, of origin already, and 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 Augustine. And for him, evil is the is 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 the lack of of being. It's not anything positive. It does not have any ontological reality, it's it's a parasite on what is good. And this is the way in which Aquinas explains evil, therefore God is not engaged in uh, the occurrence of evil in the created universe, Uh, he only allows for it. Yet Aquinas admits that he uh, does not not want it at the same time, because there is evil. And therefore his answer to this uh, difficulty uh, which actually is our experience is that uh, God has the view from his eternity of uh, the entire history of the universe and he has much broader horizon where uh, by with his divine power he can bring uh, much more goodness uh, or good from evil uh, therefore he allows for evil to be in the universe. So that would be uh, his answer. One last question, Jose. Uh, my question would be that since creation is the total dependence of created beings from uh, on God, and since uh, that creation is in a way instrumental, in, instrumentally, instantaneously, I'm sorry, how could we make room for true freely acts for, for creatures? Well, these are the most difficult questions
2: <laughs> in
0: theology. Again, uh, it's not my specialty, uh, the free will, uh, uh, but uh, you see, we again refer here uh, to, uh, to an anal- 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 analogical predication and, uh, and the, the fact that everything is created uh, by God and in a way that God in his divine eternal wisdom and knowledge knows everything and causes everything, even my talking to you, uh, uh, this does not contradict for Aquinas the fact that we actually do have uh, free will Uh, And it's not just a theater that uh, God plays uh, in front of us. And it is because uh, because, uh, what God knows uh, is his knowledge from eternity. Um, And therefore, when we predicate knowledge about God, it is not a knowledge that we have. So he knows what I will do, do, but it's not the same sort of knowledge that I have that, let's say, in a second I will drink, uh, take a sip of water. So this is different uh, type of knowledge. Uh, and therefore he uh, it is possible to defend a claim that he uh, sets up or creates the world where there is true contingency, chance events and free will. And free will is not for him, uh, does not hinge on there being chance and fortune. No, this, these are separate things. There we can imagine a universe where there is no chance and fortune And yet there's uh, a free uh, human, uh, free will. I don't know if it satisfies you, uh, but there is another brother here uh, at the Angelicum who studies those things. And we talk actually about these, but I'm, yeah, I'm not an expert. How come that you cannot be an expert in everything like Albert the Great, he he knew everything. (laughs) Those days are gone. Okay, Uh, one, okay, last question. Alexander Ferrand. Is the incarnation a creative act of uh, for Aquinas? Uh, I hope I'm not uh, like introducing any heresy here, but uh, I would say yes, because uh, if Jesus Christ is a human being, hundred uh, percent human being, then he must be created. So that would be my answer. Uh, yes. I'm pretty sure it's a correct one. Okay, Uh, I guess uh, the time is over. Once again, thank you very much for your attendance and for all those questions. And please tune to uh, the future lectures that we will offer uh, here at at the Angelicum. Uh, God bless you. Stay um, healthy. I'm sorry. And uh, I will maybe give you a blessing at the end, I guess. Yeah. Uh, The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much.